like that you're listening to keep it in 100 with jose candelario and this is a very 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 special report so special um i'm gonna let my guest introduce himself shafiq abdus sabor all right because you don't know not abusador not abusador abdus sabor all right shafiq is a pillar of our community i don't care what anyone says i don't care whoever tries to chop it down from the roots he's still there standing tall um, and representing, you say you've been around New Haven, born and raised, or a long born time? Born and raised, Yale New Haven Hospital, right at the hospital. For back in the, it, it'll be called the Back in the Day Hospital soon, but I guess back in the day. No, 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 it's still Yale. It's Yale. always going to be Yale New Haven. Yeah, ha- Yale New now, Haven, man. Yeah, New Haven, born and raised. Yeah. You you uh, you were a police officer? Police officer, 21 and a half years. How was that for you? How's that experience? Talk, yeah, this, this is going to uh, be, this is all about you. This is all about you, Shafiq. So, so listen, man. So first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate you. Um, uh, trust me, you were recommended, highly recommended. Well, you, they you they, they say you're a troublemaker. So <laughs> I was like, you know what? I don't understand why people, why you got to send me to troublemakers? Yeah, right. Listen, now you're, taking, <laughs> now you're taking me back to school, man. I'm about to be in the hallway. We better do the show in the hallway. Then. Stop it. Now we get canceled. We don't, yeah, get, yeah. We don't get sent. Yeah, now we get, sure get canceled. We get canceled. Yeah, no. So, um, yeah, being a police officer. You know, I've been retired now for five years. So when I look back on it, I look at it as it was a mission. It was something that um, that God put me in that in that in that position for that moment. Mm-hmm. And I tried to utilize the time that I was there to impact change as best as I could for all people. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, when I came into police academy, they asked everybody it was twenty one of us, and seventeen of us graduated. And I believe out of the 11 that graduated, there were two um, Hispanics, Chief Casanova, who later became a chief, uh, Maldonado, Mm -hmm. who later retired, I believe, as a detective. And then the rest of us were African-Americans. And I think there was like about five white officers or so. I have the math right. But it was the largest class of African-American, Hispanic, Latino officers, like really in the history of of New Haven since uh, Pastor. And um, so they asked everybody, like, you know, why you want to be a cop and why you want to be a cop and all this stuff. And, you know, and everybody wants to have the right answer. Right. So I tell them, I said, I want to be a police officer because I want to help improve the lives of people. I said, 
but explicitly and specifically for African-American, Hispanic, and Latino people and women and children because those is the group. That's the group that's normally underserved. That's Mm -hmm. That's the group that's normally isolated, alienated. They are left without a voice. And I remember then it was Kay Kodish um, uh, was one that was the director. And they just looked at me like, you sure you're going to make it through this academy? <laughs> and I was looking at them like, well, I can still go back and get a job. I was already broke when I went yeah. into the academy. So not having money was not an issue for me. Um, but that's how I started. I start, That's how I started my academy, man. Uh, and, but how, I mean, how did you get from New Haven? I mean, where did you grow up? In? Did you, where did you so, grow up? How, yeah, tell me how you got to police, because there's not a lot of people from New Haven that yeah. actually become a police officer. Yeah, so, you know, so to distill the rumor, I was not beat up as a kid. You know, I wasn't punked. Um, you know, that sometimes people believe that, oh, you got beat up as a kid. And, you know, I, I was everything but that. Um, you know, I grew up, so I was born in New Haven. At, at the hospital, mm-hmm. I there's it's a house. I don't know the number, but it still exists. It's two doors next to the to the McDonald's on Ferry Street. Okay, that's where my family lived. Okay, so initially I lived on Ferry Street. Then across the street wasn't Sea Town. It was Pegnaterios. It was obviously no Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts was not existing yet. Mm-hmm. I was born mm-hmm. in '67, um, and then we moved from there. And then from there, I was living. My mother had me very very young. So I was living with my mother, my uncles, my aunt. So I grew up like in that Tyler Perry mode, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My fa- my grandfather then rented a house on Edgar Street in the hill. Yep. Right? Yeah, I know um, where you're at. And then he saved up money. And then back then it was redlining, so it couldn't really get a loan. So he bought um, a house and built it from the ground up in West Haven. And so I stayed there for about maybe a year or two. And then my mother got married and I moved back into New Haven. When I moved back into New Haven, my father was from foot street projects where my grandmother lived mm-hmm. so i was a latch key kid i lived between foot street and the projects and then my parents then moved out and they got an apartment in florence virtual 139 golf street mm-hmm. so my life was between foot street and webster and golf foot street yep, yep, and webster yep. and golf yep. i went to helen grant um up until the fourth fifth fourth grade helen grant ended that was in my backyard basically mm-hmm. my mother came to me and said where do you want to go to school next? I had two choices. It was Baldwin or it was Winchester School. And it was both of them for me as as a fourth grader was hell no. Um, <laughs> where else could I go? And so my aunt, who is only a year younger, who's only a year older Winchester, than me. Winchester, was that Ivy School? No, no, that's no, where. A... So Winchester is, it's now where 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 Wexler Grant is. So where Wexler oh. Grant is used to be the old Winchester School, oh, okay, that okay. whole thing. And, um, and so that area was a really funky area because you had the high rises on Ashman, you had mm-hmm. all the projects, you had what we now call Science Park, but that was just the industrial park mm-hmm. to everybody yeah, else, right? That was, uh, so it was Whitney, yeah, it was just Whitney. It was, no. it was the Olin and Gun. It yeah. was just a funky area. The yep. train tracks were still there on the back end. Yep. Um, but whatever the case is, I didn't want to go there. Winchester was like a rough school. You had to do a lot of fighting. We did a lot of fighting, in, um, even in Helen Grant. So my aunt, what was really interesting, so people forget about this, there was actually a private Catholic school mm-hmm. in the projects. It was St. Martin's. Wow. So where the park is right now, where they have that park with the skate park and um, yes. right there next to the Yale substation. Yep, yep. But the Yale substation was American linen. So people had jobs, right? Because that yeah. was the American linen. They washed all of the sheets and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of the community people worked there. And then you had St. Martin's um, school, which was right there. 
So it was like the black Catholic church because, you know, they had broke off from the white Catholic church. So many of the kids in the neighborhood, particularly kids that lived in the projects, went to St. Martin's. People don't know that. And so you had you had an educational alternative. So my Mm -hmm. aunt, some of her friends all were going to St. Martin's already because she was already out of like my aunt's like, I think, a grade older than me. So she was already like in the sixth grade, seventh Mm -hmm. grade. So when. My mother was like, where you want to go to school? My aunt was like, boy, you better, you know, she was like, boy, come, mm-hmm. come to St. Aidan's with me. So mm-hmm. I wind up going to St. Aidan's. So okay, okay. fifth grade, I go, so so fifth grade up to eighth grade, I go to St. Aidan's. I get into eighth grade at St. Aidan's. They said, um, you're all getting ready to graduate in like six months. Good luck. They <laughs> said, uh, you have two choices. Whoever wants to go to, whoever wants to be a doctor, decided that they said, whoever wants to be a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist, or a scientist, or mm-hmm. you know, teacher, raise your hand. People started raising their hand. And I was like, what about an architect? It was, okay, little black boy architect. <laughs> <laughs> um, they said, all of you need to take the test for Notre Dame, St. Mary's, Fairfield, well, Prep, Pat, yep. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Total Rules, Mary. Right? And then they were like, anybody that wants to be a plumber, uh, uh, carpenter, you like working with cars, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Uh, we are suggesting that you take the test for, it was like something like you could go to, I think it was Eli Whitney. Eli Whitney, that's always been yeah, in go the to Eli Whitney. And, um, and so even though I just kind of raised my hand, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but my mother did. And my mom's was like, you're going to Notre Dame. And that's where you went. And she filled out all the paperwork and she was like, you're going. And I was like, I didn't know it was an all boys school. And I was mm-hmm. like, all boys school. Oh man. She was like, you're going. I was like, oh man. And so, um, I tried to, failed the test for Notre Dame. Uh, I remember like the last page, I just was just like circling it. And, and you were so smart, you still passed. Huh? <laughs> I, I was so mad. Was so, How are you going to try to fail the test? I didn't fail the test, man. I was so mad. I was, you know what it was? I was scared that my mother would figure out that I tried to fail it. She don't even know this today, so she don't listen to this radio. Well, well, I was gonna say, she's going to know now. Yeah, she's not going to know, right? She's probably going to listen to But uh, so I... Cause I always knew my mother was smarter than me, right? She figured everything out. She's like a freaking detective, man. So I try. I was like, "How can I fail this test so she won't know?" Cause they might give her the test and she'll look at it. And if she sees that I just put one line, I just put the whole, the first circle of four. She's gonna be like, you know, like really mm-hmm, upset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I had to like figure out throughout the test how I could just put you in. Really was trying to throw it. Oh yeah, I was trying to throw it, bro. I, I didn't want to go to school at all. I didn't want to go. But you and passed and you ended up going there. So I took the test, forgot about it, because it was you know it was like three four weeks out, mm-hmm. and I came home one morning, one night from um, from practice. I think I was playing football, and so then we were living at Forty Nine Winter Street. It's like winter and golf mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. I know where you're at. And yep. and now I'm in the eighth grade. I'm about to graduate, and my mother's in the kitchen. The kitchen's near when you come through the front door. She's like frying chicken. She's on the phone, all the lights on. And I hear her talking anime. Ah, ah. I'm like, oh, shoot. She found that I failed the test and she done figured out. She's on the phone with them right now. <laughs> They're telling her that I, that, I, that I did it on purpose. I walked through that door. I just knew she was going to like slap me so hard. And she, I looked at her. I was like, my face is crazy. She looked at me. She says, you got in. You got in. And I was like, <laughs> And what? She's like, you got it, Notre Dame. I was like, damn. That, <laughs> that is, was the rest that, of my but, life, man. But, but let me tell you, that, <laughs> is, that, that, that I could see that in the way you conduct yourself, that you had a very strong um, presence in your life that kept you 
on track that you cannot outsmart that yeah. advocated for you that taught you how to advocate for yourself yeah um what other attributes did you get from your mom because you see you have an affinity for her yeah so you know like my mom so you know it's, it's interesting my father so so my mother my mother had me when she was my mother had me when she was like 14 wow you know um and so as i've gotten older i can appreciate her you know, we got, we're in this time of Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. you know, um, and everybody's talking this stuff. You know, my mother had an opportunity. She could have been, in my opinion, she could have been even a greater woman in her life if she would have not chose to have me. She would have had more opportunities. Right. Wow. What 14 year old girl wants to walk around with a baby in her stomach, mm-hmm. you know, um, and because she did that. She couldn't go to regular schools. New Haven schools did not did not allow you to go to school. Mm-hmm. You get kicked out of school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she had to go to Polly McCabe, which she always tells me the story about how horrible it was. Like they talked down to her and mistreated her. She became an outcast in her own school system because she was the 14-year-old girl with a baby. How did you get this baby? You know, you got to answer all these questions. Who, mm-hmm. who put this baby in you? Um, but she made a conscious decision, right? My grandmother tells me, always tells me the story, um, you know, that they, she made a contribution. They beat her. She got her butt beat for getting pregnant, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, those, but then after those, they got. In those days. Oh, yeah. In those um, days. And we're uh, talking about, you know. Oh, it's a real ago. deal. It's a real deal, you know. Um, and then she, you know, went fast forward. My grandmother says, look, you know, that they, they sat down and said, look, if you want to have this baby, you know, if. And they gave her the choice. If you want to have this baby, we will help you raise this baby, you know. Mm. And so my mother made at 14 that decision. I want to have this baby, right? I want to mm-hmm. have this baby that one day grows up to be Shafiq. Mm. Um, having that baby comes with a struggle. You are a 14-year-old girl. Now you're 15 with a baby. You got to go back to school. She went back to Cross, graduated mm-hmm. from Cross. Um, my mother never really wanted to be a college person. She wound up, she wanted to go to nurse nursing mm-hmm. school. She did mm-hmm. some stuff with nursing. Um, and then you're you're pregnant, and then you have this baby, and then then what? Then who who marries you? Where do you find? Mm-hmm. You know, with a husband. My mother did not marry my biological father. She married what I consider to be my father now, um, Eugene Johnson, who passed about three years ago. He was a uh, went to the cross as well, and he was a mailman. You know, he wanted. Now my father tells me he said, "Look, I wanted to go to college. He was in um, community college there on mm-hmm. the long war." Yep, 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 yep. But yep. once he met my mother, they fell in love. He wanted to get married. <laughs> school went out. School. Went out. <laughs> yeah, school. He, yeah, took he, a back seat. Yeah, he, he said, uh, you know, he knew he needed to get a job. Yeah, my mother didn't play that living with me stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, they made a decision. They would get married, and then he went and got a job at the post office. So that was the alternative mm-hmm. yeah, instead of going to the uh, South Central Community College. South Central. That's what it um, was back. And then. so around. 18, 19 years old, once I got into college, and, you know, my father, one day me and him was playing pool, we're drinking some beers in the basement, playing pool at the house, and he came over to me, and he looked at me in the eyes, and he said, son, I love you. He said, I just want to let you know it was worth it. That's what he told Mm. me. He said it was worth it. And I understood what Mm. he meant was that he put his life on hold Mm -hmm. to marry a woman with a baby that he loved. And she and, put her life, her life on and hold. And she put her life on hold. To, to have this baby. Yeah, to have this baby. So so when people see me out here doing the work that I do, you got to understand I'm doing it from that from that position. It's that, gonna it, be, that, that you, you, but you have a, that's just a tremendous amount of pressure Yeah. for you to still, I mean, you probably want to carry the rest of your life that, to, you know, maintain that legacy. Absolutely. That you want, you want to, that it was all worth it. Every oh, single absolutely, second. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. You know, my mother's still alive. She's 70. She lives out in West in Westville now. And so, um, 
you know, as I said this recently to someone when I was having a conversation, people have to understand that the things that I do in this city and for people, you know, I'm doing it from that space, you know, so you're not, you're not it's not for your pocket. No, it's, it's not for my pocket. It's not for your pride. I'm not to make money. You know, my parent, you know, as a Muslim, you know, money comes from God. Money don't come from man. You know, mm-hmm. you, you do things, you pray for how many people out there, um, smart, got the formula, got the money, and mm-hmm. you still like, God, please make, let this go through. Please let mm-hmm. them accept my offer or, you know, be the low bidder on this house. Please mm-hmm. let me get that promotion. Please let, mm-hmm. because it, it's coming from, from your higher power, mm-hmm. right? We, we're just a formula. We're just the one in the plus one. <laughs> we, we not the two. <laughs> all right. All of a sudden, um, I don't know if, if, if uh, Shafiq turned Israelite on me, but you're listening to Keeping It 100 <laughs> with Jose Candelario, New Haven Independent, 103.5 FM, WNHH, New Haven Independent.org. I just picked up Mr. Shafiq from the corner on the chapel and uh, church who was out there preaching on the soapbox. Preaching on the soapbox. And now brother. he's in here bringing his love for his community. Got beads and everything. Yeah, I see you got, the, I see you got your beads <laughs> and everything. Everything. From my tribe people, from, 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 from the brothers from the tribe and everything. Uh, <laughs> and we're, we're getting to get a sense of who he is because even though you served in public office, you have your own show on the radio. Um it's just people don't really, no one has ever probably taken the time to introduce you properly to the community, mm. to get to hear that one story already, which is a story that is so common in New Haven. Yeah. Babies having babies. Yes. Uh, blessed are you that you had a great grandfather and, and community support because yeah. it was, you know, and that's, and when you have uncles and aunts and uncles and grandparents together, that's community. Yes. yes that's, that's the first basis of community. And that helped mold you early on. And, uh, I see that your stepfather was also, yeah, your yeah. father was, was, he's, he, he's, he's a, he was a monster, man. This dude was like, this dude was like about six feet and, you know, we used to say soaking wet. He weighed about one fifty. Mm. but, um, but he was, but he was fierce, you know, um, my father taught me, um, you know, I, I remember I used to sit early. Sometimes I'd be sitting, he'd say, hold your head up. Right. Um, and so he was all, hold your head up. I remember when I was in, um, and he, and he taught me things, right. Um, when I, in eighth grade, we went to our, like our first prom dance, you know, mm. I, I went and got dressed and then he brought me to him. He's like, what do you have on? Take that off, put this on. And that's <laughs> when he gave me his first shirt. And a tie. Let me tell you something. I wore the hell out of that shirt and tie. I must have worn every everything <laughs> every, after every that. Oh my for, gosh! For, man. for five years. Oh my gosh! That was. Um, but he taught me how to tie my first tie. He taught me how to put my shirt on. He taught me how to match my clothes. Uh, my father was a. Was, and let me tell you something. That is really was missing in our society right now. I mean, you you've been fortunate enough to have that. that I call it. We used to call them home economics, right? Yes. yes. Life skills training, yes. or whatever you want to call it. You were fortunate enough to get that, yes. Because there are so many in, in gentlemen in our neighborhood right now living in a city that do not have that. Yeah. And I see that you're on a mission right now in life to make sure that everyone gets these resources or gets access to this kind of of nurturing. Yeah. You know. You know why? Because it is absolutely critical. I didn't realize the impact of my father until really I got into Notre Dame and I got into my last years of Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame was a very, I guess you could say, if I was a hunk of metal on the end of a stick, 
Mm-hmm. It turned me into a sharpened spear, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, when we got in, I remember getting into school and I tried to play the race card one day. I said, ah, y'all got me doing this because I'm black. And one of the brothers there that was white, because most of all the brothers there was white. Mm-hmm. And uh, and brothers meaning that they're, they're, they're about to be they're, a priest. They're, yeah, they're, they're in yeah, the order. They're, they're in, in order. In order. Yep. He, he came over to me. It was like, I think I was the only black kid in the room. I was like my second year. And he looked at me and he said, let me tell you something, young man. And he was like, stand up. It made me stand up. I'm like, oh, gosh. He said, you're not here because somebody asked you to be here. He said, you're here because you earned the right to be here. He said, now you got one job is to earn the right to stay. He said, and mm. that's the same opportunity that everybody else has in this room. Don't you ever forget it. Sit down. <laughs> and you got, <laughs> it's like, and you got detention. <laughs> I was like. Okay, you got the, you got the lesson. Yeah. You, got the, you learned the lesson. Oh hard. man! But that, can, can, does that does that um, does that transfer to today? Today? Oh, absolutely. Can you say can you say that to a young minority? So you know what I did? Who, trans- feeling that like the white man, you know, but he's holding right. you now. The the, the, the man, the that's man, right. the that's man right. is doing this. That's right. You know, it. You know what? He, what? What? They, what? It translates to me now is take personal accountability as far as you can. In your mm-hmm. space, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely, there's forces out there. There's racism. There's there's systematic racism. There's always going to be. There's your own people coming for you. There's always a Judas in the room or Judette, right? If you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't control your space, and you can do it by defining your character. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is my space. My space can be an area where we can have a picnic, or it can be a steel cage match. Mm. But understand something. Mm-hmm. If you're coming for a picnic, we're going to eat, and we're going to have a really good time, and we're going to eat. If you're coming for a steel cage match, it's on and popping. All right, so let's keep this cordial with the picnic basket, then. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get <laughs> into it. I can, I, I, can, I can already tell you are a, an individual who, um, who have, has impeccable memory. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, this is now a personal thing between me and you right now. This is right. personal because I struggle in life with, with the ability to – forget certain yeah. things because you remember dates, numbers, people. Well, don't co- forget I, I was a cop. So, you know, when a cop's memory is, you know what our memory is? Mm. I do not recall. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. You, you say that, but you, sorry, sir. I do you, not recall you. You, that, that, that's the, that's what you say to your boss. <laughs> but I, I can tell that there's, that, that's yeah. BS. I'm calling yeah. it BS on that. Yeah. Um, how do you manage that? I mean, how do you manage all that information in your head? And how and how is that recall process for you? Because everyone's different. Yeah. So I grew up in, you know, I grew up in a very stressful environment, no no doubt. You know, uh, my life, my, my my lifestyle as a child was not perfect. I won't get into all of the, the details. My mother. You, you got your butt whooped. Yeah. It's okay. No, I'm saying. So, so my mother and my father were not abusive. So it wasn't to oh, that okay. extent. But I did grow up in a, you know, New Haven was a very violent place, man. You know. Um, me and my aunt, I remember we were, we were at her house on foot street. Our apartment overlooked the dumpster when foot street ran into a dead end. It was yep, actually yeah, a dead know, end. Yep, it was yep. a dumpster there. And I remember one night we heard somebody arguing and arguing and we probably were at that time was six and seven. I was six. And we looked out the window cause her bedroom, we stand on the bed, looking out the window over the heater. And I can remember it was raining. The, the rain was coming across that big, the, we had the big light over our, over our window. So when the rain came over, it was a little bit blind. So I had to look under the light to be able to see. So our guy did arguing with the girl. We watched it, listened to a while, pulled out a gun, shot her, killed mm-hmm. her right there. 
that was six years old. Mm. Um, and so a lot of my life, and I think a lot of the, the ability to recall information is, is we call it now trauma. But when mm. traumatic events do happen to you over the course of your life, mm. you have to you etch that mm-hmm. because they become markers. Or maybe for me, it's markers of things that I don't want to go too far back into dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, they could also be markers just as a reminder. Never make sure you never revisit this moment again or this moment is never revisited upon you again. Mm. Right. Um, and those become survival skills. Right. In terms of uh, you trying to do, you know, running for all there are. Um, doing something else in the public view and people say, oh, they're going to come for you. Well, I know what it feels like when somebody comes for me and I know how to prepare for when they come and I'm already going to have a very calculated response in multiple levels on how I'm going to respond to that. I'm not going to be in the room saying, oh, my God, what I'm going to do next. It's just going to be, will I have mercy on this individual about how I'm (laughs) going to go about and and, and launch this thing? So Mm -hmm. that's that's the science behind (laughs) That's no, the science no, you behind how I you, operate. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and I'm, I'm yeah. glad that I feel like now I'm not the only one. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel less lonely in this world. Because people are like, you always, you know, people yeah. view that as you always got something to say. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm always prepared, I'm prepared to man. say something. I'm prepared, bro. I mean, if they, oh, you think you're smart. No, yeah. no. Yeah. I am I am in a position in, in life where God put me where I can handle any yeah, conversation yeah. from any angle. Yeah. And you are there. Uh, you ran for order. Yes. Ran for order. And um, everyone reminded me of, of your order situation. Yes. Say, because the way me and, uh, <laughs> for those who are listening out there, you're listening to Keeping It 100 with Jose Candelario here on 103.5 FM, WNHH New Haven Independent.org. Your home for community radio, powered by La Voz Hispana. I'm here with Shafiq former retired police officer. And uh, so you were recommended to me by my, one of my mentors. Uh, last night I got a call from another one of my mentors wow. that I, I work with. Uh, both told me uh, who you are. Make sure that I did my research on you. Wow. And uh, get out of you uh, the story. The story. The story. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Everybody wants to hear about the story. You were alderman in the 28th Ward. Um, people, people, people looked up to you. Um, I, I was speaking to, um, uh, how am I going to forget my co-host, Marcy Lynn. Okay. And she even said, I, 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 want, I would have moved into his wow. ward. Because, Come on, Marcy. Because of your leadership abilities. Is she in New Haven? You, yeah, now she, she's back in New Haven. She's on, uh, off of Whittlesey. You don't have to move. I got, I got something new for you. <laughs> <laughs> so... So with that said, so yeah. you're experiencing order. You were alderman of the 28th Ward. Loved it. And you loved it. You were loved out it. there. You you earned your peace. How loved before, before we get to the ending, how was running for alder and that experience loved of having it. to get loved to everybody? Loved it, man. It was loved. It was literally, you know, outside of my whole 21 and a half years as a police officer um, in terms of public service. Just, you know, here's the thing. Running for alder is even better than, like, being an alder. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, because when you run for Alder, you got no responsibility a, yet. What it is, is I, it took me about a year to run. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think about a year. It's a it's a 12 month covenant. It's a 12 month covenant with people. Yes. When you get elected now, it's up to you to fulfill that covenant. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Um, and so then now it's just, okay, I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to do what I said. But when you're running, it's like, hi, how you doing? What's your name? Oh, I didn't know that. Or oh, you played a guitar. Or oh, this is where you live. Or oh, your house is wonderful. And people really are letting their guard down and they're telling you and mm-hmm. they're being vulnerable. And that's your job now is to process that and don't let them down. That's how I saw it. Don't mm-hmm. let them mm-hmm. down. Um, so running for Alder, it was a great experience. It was a new level of uh, public service. And then becoming an Alder was a new level of experience, you know, and they said, you know, you want to, you really want to sharpen somebody's skill set as a leader, mm-hmm. give them, give them, give them responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to test somebody's true character and find the true character of a person, give them power, mm-hmm. right? So what I'm hoping that happened in those six months is that people were able to see, wow, this guy really loves to take the hard positions to lead us out of these dark and murky waters. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And he's not a bad guy. Mm. You know, he's not sitting around here making it work for him. He's not sitting around here just doing the stuff for us. But this guy is really mm-hmm. like out here, really putting his life, you know, his life and his character out here for the people. That's what I'm hoping that people walked away with. You, but in, you in, ran in, against in, somebody that was part of the status quo. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could say that. So, so you, you threw a wrench into someone's plan. I threw a wrench into an entire systems plan. That's not was wasn't one, one person. That's a whole network. That's you know. In some cases, I'll just keep it a buck. That's like the entire Democratic Party, right? So, um, you know, we're in a we're in an environment right now where you know a young black boy like me from the projects per se, mm-hmm. right? From mm-hmm. a teenage mom, um, I have to go. Technically, if I play the game right, I got to go get permission from an assortment of people in order to figure out. Um, do I have the permission to move forward to help people? The Democratic to, Mafia. You got to well, go, go kiss the I, ring. I can't. I want to go kiss no, the I ring. Use that term. And you that's, didn't do that. Well, that's the, that's the strong, uh, that's I mean, a strong I, thing. I, I, I'm know? just articulating in, in, well, in, in, in a, a, a more be, common manner. Right, more right. But, I, but, but I'm just, I, go ahead. Use your narrative. Yeah, I'm going to use it. And it's okay, right? That structure's been there, and that's worked for the structure for a long time. However, I don't believe in our democracy that you should have to pass through all of these secret doors and all of these particular things in order to run for office. You should be able to, I want to run for office, go run. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and not have to know that when I start to run, I'm already in a, in a battle out the door day one. Right. Mm. Um, but I guess you could say if you're willing to do that, then didn't, didn't Martin Luther King do that? Yeah. Didn't El Haj Malik El Shabazz? Didn't all of these civil rights leaders? Yes. Uh, we're celebrating now. Um, 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 James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. And people, oh, everybody's fascinated. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Somebody's got to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, all I can do is, you know, my, my grandmother told me, she said, if God be for you, let no man be against you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I translate it down as <laughs> is that, well, if you know everybody's against you, you ain't got to worry about nobody being for you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You know where everybody stands. Yeah, yeah, you know where you everybody know. stands. You know what? But you know where I need to just let everybody know, look, I'm standing for the people. It's always for the people. It's so, for the people, So you man. said you disrupted a whole system. You disrupted I didn't the, do it on the, purpose. The, you didn't do it on purpose. I'm sorry. You, you, <laughs> you're, wow. I'm sorry. Are, I did, you, I, are you publicly apologizing? No, I'm not publicly apologizing. <laughs> I'm saying I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for being you, I guess. I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah. you disrupted the system. And so, was there a mark on your back? I mean, okay. So let me let me just clarify. I, I exercise the freedom given to me by the Mm -hmm. Constitution of the United States. How dare you? And when I did that, Mm -hmm. the system felt it was a disruption. So that disruption is not my causing. 
No. I did what I needed to that do. That was a reaction. That's that's my that's my right. I, I I utilized my right. You ran for alderman on what platform? What won the people over? Safety, leadership, and community. Communities inter- ter- bringing people together, having everybody have the opportunity to interface with one another, to come up to common solutions. So with that said, it's pretty, uh, to me, it is uh, also then indicative of the lack of the previous person that was there. They were not for those three three well, I don't ideals. know. I don't know. If, uh, so here's what I was because you wouldn't have won if those three ideals were in place. I think. Well, sometimes you know. Hey, listen. You know, sometimes you can win because because you're the new shiny thing, right? And sometimes you can win because the timing is right. And mm-hmm. sometimes you can win because of energy. And you know, uh, I let the. You know, here's the beautiful thing about elections. Mm-hmm. We don't decide as a candidate. Okay. The community does. Okay. That, 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 okay. You know, and sometimes it's very difficult. To, I, I thought that the Democratic Committee decided who No, who, no, well, who no I mean, the people still vote. So here's the thing. So, yeah. here's, so here's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Jose, because here's the thing. Uh-huh. Because in 2019, in the mayoral election, 2019, mm-hmm. there were 60,000 eligible New Haven voters. 60,000. Mm-hmm. Tw- roughly 12,000 voted for Elliker mm-hmm. and roughly 5,000 voted for Hart. Mm-hmm. Right. That was a, so a total of 17,000 votes were roughly cast mm-hmm. of the 60,000. Mm-hmm. And that's 30 percent. Mm-hmm. However, in the last mayoral election, last mayoral election, 21, mm-hmm. 2021, mm-hmm. there were 56,000 eligible voters, 56, mm-hmm. 9,000 voted for Elliker. Mm-hmm. 1,700 voted for Carlson as a Republican. Mm-hmm. There was no other challenger. Yep. Only 12,000 votes total was cast. So that's 23%. Yep. So here's what I'm saying. The people, the people are determining who they want. But I will agree the way our party line politics are set up, there's something that's happening where where is the other 70 Four percent. Where's the other seventy-five? What is it? Seventy-seven percent. But I think I, I I believe that sometimes it's convenient that they do not show up at the polls for certain people who are running. Yeah. Well, I, so here's what I would say. What I would say is my style, um, of becoming a leader in New Haven for people around their needs and actually closing the gap on getting things done, is to not leave out anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. So here's what I did in Beaver Hills. And here's the process. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, so I'm a, so I'm a, so I'm a tell. I'm a tell. Say something. Almost 99% of every single person that runs an office in New Haven, and I don't care what office they're running for. Okay. Yeah. They will go and they will pull down all of the voting records for that mm-hmm. previous year. Mm-hmm. They'll look at all the names that was cr- crossed mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Your name crossed off, that means you're voted. Yep. They'll call a cross I, I ran for Alderman. Right. Okay. I ran for Alderman in 29th. But I'm glad. Yeah. What I like about it is that now you're educating the public. Yes, because it's important that they know. They, 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 so right? Continue. So they're crossed off. So I'm going to use a street like Carmel Street. Yep. Carmel Street has roughly around 200 eligible voters, but only roughly 38 people vote on Carmel Street. Right? Mm-hmm. So if I would look at Carmel Street and then I would look at something like Bellevue Road, which I believe has maybe something like 300 voters, mm-hmm. but of the 300 voters, like 275 votes. No, oh, Yale Avenue. If I'm going to go <laughs> knock on doors because mm-hmm. it's time, how many times like, I going to be on the door for two minutes, two times this and this, and I got to drive mm-hmm. over there, and it's like, you know You're what? Gonna focus on- I'm going to focus on Bellevue Road. I would focus on Bellevue Road because it's an easy hit. They always vote 
All I got to do is get the message, make contact. I'm good to go. And they're going to carry a good percentage of my numbers per se. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to save Carmel Street technically Mm -hmm. under under the concept, under the under the under the theory that's used. I would save Carmel Street for last or maybe I might not even go there personally. I might send my staff there. So the staff is, oh, here you go. Here you go. As a result of that. If Carmel Street has potholes, if Carmel Street has issues, if Carmel Street has problems, trash pickups, no rep- Carmel Street has don't have representation. For crime, then those don't become a priority because my I'm going to be listening to where I went and did the cross-offs. So now, if you take all the cross-offs in the entire city as a whole and you see the areas where people vote and who votes, then there's no surprise when you see in terms of the this current administration, how it's been over the last three years of why people are clamoring like, Oh, my God, why do I have a methadone clinic in my neighborhood? Because you were not on the Mm cross-offs. And so you did not become prioritized in the economic development of the Mm -hmm. city. Why is there going to be potentially a homeless shelter drop smack dab in the middle of of, um, of Grand Avenue and the Hispanic Latino district Mm -hmm. that struggled like hell to build that district up? And you're going to go and put a homeless center right there. You know why? Because of the cross-offs, right? Didn't, didn't make the priority list. You know, why do we have a, a, a drug rehab coming to CVS, right? Right where uh, you have a Afro-Hispanic, Latino, immigrant, Jewish, um, you know, four corners meeting. Mm-hmm. But we're going to divide that up again with another drug rehab because you didn't make the cross-off list. So this is where the hustle game comes in. And people need to understand that. you got to get out here and vote. And you know what? I know I've been hearing people say, oh, but, you know, we'll vote when we have a candidate. Well, go get you a candidate then, damn it. Mm-hmm. Go get you a candidate. Go wake up a candidate and tell them to get out here and vote so you can get so those you have the other choice. So you seven, get That's choice. right. So you can get those other, uh, what would it be, roughly uh, 70%, 70, 70%, 75%, 75%, 36,000 votes. Yeah. And let me tell you, that, and, and, and that's on, on an off year that's decent. Because let me tell you, I've been I'm involved in politics where all yeah. fears is, is as low as 15%. That's right. Turnout. That's so right. You, in, in the and they're tr- predictable. Here's the thing, Jose. They're, it has gotten so commonplace. And why I'm saying this, y'all, because I'm a tell. Because even when I was a police officer and I worked in government, I, I, I tried to be one of those cops. I wanted to know everything. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I worked as close to the Stefano as I could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if I could have mm-hmm. been a, a lapel on his, on his shirt, I, I would have did it. And sometimes I was. And I would watch how things would go. I would watch when people would get really, really upset in government and people would say, go get, tell me what the voting percentage over there, 7%. Pfft, we're good. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so this is the operation until that mechanism is broken that, and that so-called. Well, until people show up at the polls. God That's show up, the man. only way. God show up. So everyone could disrupt the system just like you did. Yeah. So you disrupted the system. You got in. And. You were there for only six months? Six months. So I was there for six months. And because you were, to, to clarify, the, you know, I mean, I could pull up the New Haven Independent yeah. article. Uh, let me tell people the story. You were there okay, for six months. Okay, so I was months. there for six months. When I took over as alder, when I, when I became an alder, I, was, I had a contract cleaning all the public schools. So contract cleaning all the public schools. Been doing that. We actually went through, when I looked it up, seven contracts. So, I, so this would have been my seventh mm-hmm. final contract. The contract was ending and then you can now apply to be the new person all over again because it's a new one-year round with four renewals. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I took office, I was cleaning the schools. Mm-hmm. Even as an alder, I was cleaning the schools. I had already checked with people throughout the process and g- legislative 
um, you know, about that. And it was like not an issue. And um, so they it were was not, not an issue when they thought you weren't were going to win. But go ahead. Right. So it was an issue. Then um, and then we got to the point of we needed to uh, certify the documents. And it was a clause in there. <clears throat> and so it was like, oh, wow. You know, like I only had a couple of days and I can't really get too deep in it because there is a lawsuit pending. Mm-hmm. But what I did is I made a conscious decision that um, it was better and rightful for me to step down as Alder than it would have been to evacuate the company. And here's why. And this was a tough decision for me. Um, I ran for Alder to make change and do things in the city and do, mm-hmm. and do help. That was a two-year kind of process and a commitment. However, the company that I was leading, mm-hmm. I built over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I've hired people from the community who are homeless. I've hired homeless people. You've changed got lives. Them, you put money in people's yeah, pockets. And got them back lives. on, you know, got them back on their feet, got them into apartments, making sure that they could uh, be able to do the things that they needed to do. And I talk to my workers on a weekly and daily basis. They call me for different things and support. I just felt like if I stepped away from that company and then been a superstar alder, even if another company would have got this contract, which they eventually did, what would that? What, what, what kind of message would I have sent to those New Haveners? Because a lot of people that work for the company. So you stepped down yes. from your position as you felt like it was the right thing to do. Correct. Because you put your employees first. That's correct. And then you ended up not getting the contract. And that's okay. You know, I knew stepping down, there was no guarantee that I was going to get the contract anyway, even if I didn't step down, right? Mm-hmm. So, so all things being fair, right, there was still no guarantee that I would get the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference was I would not have been able to be settled in my heart having moved off from my company and just been an alder. Mm-hmm. I felt that that was selfish yeah. because I knew I could run for Alder again. You know, God give me strength and ability. I yep. could run for Alder again. Yep. What I couldn't do is rebuild that company again from the ground up with all of those workers, with 75% New Haven workers, mm-hmm. with, you know, 40% Latino. and six, I couldn't do that again. Mm. So that was more immediate. That was the more urgency of what needed to happen. And I believe it worked. Um, I did not – I didn't obviously – be, be an alder, I'm still getting things done in the community. There's still other opportunities mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. there. And, you know. So, because, you know, when you see the papers and you read the, the narrative, it's all like, ooh, he stepped down because something was suspicious. No, nothing was suspicious. You know, no one offered me anything. There was no secondary, uh, well, if you do this, you'll get this in the end. And if you do this, you'll get none of that. It was like, no. I mean, I'm going to keep it a buck and I'll talk about it later. <clears throat> um, there was probably some things that if I would have went along with, in the political arena, mm-hmm. um, it would have probably been you all set. But you know what? Um, I'll just send this message. Don't send your weak people to me because I ain't falling for it. <laughs> 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 if, you, if you're not sure about where I stand, go back to the beginning of this broadcast and listen to it again. Don't send weak people to me, man. I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time to play. And like and, I said. And, and just like that. We ran out of time. Ran out of time, bro. So that's all. You know, you know, people always ask me, "How did you? How, how did you feel?" Yeah, it, it started and finished in one minute. That's a good show. Yeah, that's a yeah. good show. Yes. I thank you for your time. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. You running for mayor? Not at this moment. No.
<laughs> then let me rephrase my question. Now that the journalist, I got to become a journalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. have aspirations in the future to run for mayor of the city of New Haven? I would say that if the people feel that that's something that they would like me to do to help them move the city forward, then it would be an idea that I would embrace. Okay. That sounds like a yes, hard yes to me. Um, <laughs> not, not out of his mouth. <laughs> It's me. I'm saying the people's will, man. It's the, the people's, people's will. will. It's the people's will, man. It's for the people. And, and, and let me tell you, that's how it is. As, as they said, it's all about bregamos. Huh? <laughs> huh? Hey. <laughs> huh? With that said, this has been Keeping It 100 with Jose. Adu <laughs> Sabor. Adu Sabor. You can roll the R, too, Shot you know. speakers in the building. You know you can roll the R, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Do sabon. <laughs> Thank you for your time, I sir. I love you, man. Appreciate you. Until next time, this is Keeping It 100. All right. 103.5 FM, WNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHDWNHHD